0: And they're here for a climate change contest. contest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: American <laughs> winning!
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we're keeping that. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yet yeah, Another DC Animated Podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to Yet Another episode of Yet Another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada,
0: codename Arate.
2: Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year.
0: The first social networking site was founded. It was called Six Degrees, and it was built around you would know somebody, they would know somebody, they would know somebody, and that's how you would all link up and get together. It, it does not exist. It's it's dead. <laughs> um, but it was the the forefront into social media.
2: Okay, okay, I like that. I was just like, I'm just glad that what was this, Skonex, and what was the other one that came out <laughs> oh at the same God. time weren't oh. the top, weren't the first ones.
0: <laughs> I do, I remember Skonex, I remember Skonex very well. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I'm so old, I, remember, I was, I've been old since I was a kid. Somebody asked me, was like, yo, you got a Skonex, and I was like, sure. And I thought legit was a scone. Uh, <laughs> also, this is a shout out to all us millennials out there. Dive back into the recesses of your mind and pick up that MySpace coding. It is helpful, more helpful than we thought it was. If y'all thought y'all no stress. Try to pick your top five, all right? Facts. Try.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but our conversations today about social media platforms and all that are all tied to our ongoing coverage of Young Justice. That is right. We are still going strong for our Young Justice Outsider season. Uh, today, we'll be covering episodes 17 through 19, which will have appro- appropriately titled episodes, given the fact we're going to talk about like social media stuff. As we have First Impression, uh, Early Warning, which I feel like was a sign for us when we downloaded TikTok or Temu on our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come after us, please. <laughs> and finally, Elder Wisdom, kind of similarly what happened when all of our parents got onto Facebook. Oh, man, this lines up perfectly. It really does. Uh, That is why today, uh, with the timing of December 1st to January 1st, which is actually the perfect amount of time uh, in terms of dates of when you're probably teaching your parents about social media, uh, we're calling this episode the new influence. Mm, Yep,
0: yep everyone's under the influence of something not that's not a <laughs>
2: drug thing I'm,
0: ah, <laughs> I'm already, already made one. <laughs> it's not a drug thing I meant I meant social media I meant peer pressure though there is one character that will be under the influence of something but
2: we'll get there yeah so um all about the influences fortunately we won't yeah there's gonna be some drug use I guess. <laughs> so luckily we're, we're gonna use our pg-13 screening for this one I guess um So jumping right into our cast list of who's going to be influencing our work here today, we have starting off with our not quite mystery gang. Um, So I feel like I have to call them something new. And I've been thinking about the conundrum crew. Mm. Uh, Okay. Because we have some very familiar voices with some already established characters within our show. As we have Greg Griffin, who is voicing a character who's very much like Daphne from the Scooby-Doo gang. Uh, May Whitman, who is adding on as another character there, Sarah Fazal, Troy Baker and Jason Marsden. A lot of the characters who were here today we'll talk about. Uh, honestly, just watch Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated and you'll probably get any of the references I'll try to make <laughs> during this episode. Uh Next up, we have Officer Bethany Lee. Or in the comics, you might know her as Bethany Lee Carr. That is right. She will eventually get married to Snapper Carr. So it's just a subtle thing that happens there. She is voiced by our resident voice actress, uh, Tara Strong. Uh, Freddie Rodriguez is Eduardo Dorado Jr. And Ramon Barcuda. Ramon Barcuda is a DC character. I'm not going to dive into who he is. Uh, fun thing about him, though, he does seem to have a, a barracuda tattoo or a shark tattoo on his chest. So I guess that's the name, reason. Yeah, I guess a fun one here. We have Whitney Moore, who is returning as Courtney Whitmore, uh, providing us with her celebrity news reporting. Also fun fact, Mae Whitman, who voices Cassie Wonder Girl Sandsmark in our show. She's also voicing her mother, Helena Sandsmark, Sandsmark, during an argument that they have during our Elder Wisdom episode. Bruce Greenwood, obviously, we haven't heard too much of him from this season, so he decided to get every role that he could in this one. As Bruce Greenwood returns as Bruce Wayne Batman, who's also Matthew Matches Malone and Eduardo Dorado Sr. Hmm. Finally, wrapping up our list, um, this man has appeared in 43 episodes of Dexter as Tom Matthews, 16 episodes of Designated Survivor as Cornelius, and finally one voice acting role in our favorite Batman Bad Blood. Because today we have the voice of Colonel Jacob Kane, aka Jeff Pearson, who is now sided with the heroes as the voice of Jay Carrick, the Flash.
0: Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, you said bad blood. You, you know how I, I that I didn't like the start, but uh, yeah, the finish is okay.
2: <laughs> we were, it was a good, it was a good. I felt like it was, I felt like Jeff Pearson redeemed himself with this one. <laughs> Uh, now that our cast list is set and we got our stats all ready, it's Zeta over to the beginning of first impression. And right here, uh, um, this is a big mic drop opening
0: because underwater we see a Reach ship, um, just activate, and that's it. That's the <laughs> opening of the episode. They're like, all right, you know what's up. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you watch season two. But, uh, in any case, the real meat of the plot starts where Beast Boy is having a meeting with. Aquaman and several other uh, heroes like Artemis and Megan. And he's continuing straight on from last episode where he looked into a camera and was very much trying to champion young heroes. He's making a formal pitch. He's saying us as young heroes need to go public. And Aquaman is immediately like, no, we're the public face. We're supposed to be the heroes taking on that target. but. Beast Boy is pushing back on that. He's saying that, yes, you serve a purpose, but you have limits. You have UN sanctions and the team can only operate behind the scenes. They're not inspiring people, but we can. And this launches into a, a, a great monologue. I, this is one of the things where I could not do a justice describing. I would recommend you just see it because it's a great monologue. Um, wh- what do you think of this section like right oh. here? Yeah, I,
2: I thought this was, along with the Reach ship just dropping down, honestly, this was a, another strong opening and another reason why I appreciate this show so much because Gar, his PowerPoint presentation was on point with this one. I think that given the fact of it's a great summary of what we've experienced, but not realize that we've experienced all these things about the sanctions that the Justice League have been dealing with, Also, Gar just really stepping up in this way because he does recognize there's no way that he can ever be a private face of this team. We've seen it already play out in several bunch of our episodes where as soon as people see this guy with green skin, they immediately know it's Garfield Logan, especially because he's already uh, a television star. So for him to say his speech in this way, to share that, hey, you know, we're going to always be these individuals with targets on our back so why do we have to try to hide them why not just get ahead of it especially because the justice league isn't you know really the the team that everybody cares about right now because they're so far removed from the public they're trying to save so this was also very inspiring too because by the end of it he does share how so many people have already signed up like we do have a lot of the teams so we have static we have blue beetle we have Cassie, Wonder Girl. Oh, Brion also signs up for the team because they're like, you know what? Everybody knows who we are. Everybody has outed our secret in some way, shape, or form. And also a shout out to Kid Flash, too, because he also mentions that like no one really recognizes or really remembers or acknowledges rather the fact that Wally sacrificed himself to save the world. They all think that he's that kid. And he wants to make sure that people don't know that. Also, probably as a way to say, listen. This was a feat that Wally West accomplished that I can't probably accomplish myself, but I'm going to do my damnedest to try to get to that level to make sure that everybody truly feels safe. And you will know it's, you know, you will know that you have a person you can look to to help you be that safe. So I appreciate the fact that we had this. I will say, though, (laughs) it was a little cheesy when, of course, Beast Boy does, quote, the famous get on board or get out the way. Only because Superboy, they just pan right over the Superboy rolling his eyes. So it was just like, "Hey, here's this moment, but we're gonna take it down a little bit because we recognize how cheesy this could be."
0: Yeah, I, I do like that. Yeah, it's it's they lean into that cheese of it, which I think is fun because now the kids are like, "Oh man, we're the old ones," mm-hmm. and um, I also like a quick point of because this wasn't really addressed in the previous season, but Jaime when they're asking about like. Are you sure you want to be public? Jaime's like, yeah, they outed my identity like two years ago. It's like, it's yeah, (laughs) I'm good. Like, (laughs) and Static was like, I gotta add some color to the team. Uh, so there's there's a lot of like a lot of these. I'm sorry, I thought that was
2: one of my favorite lines because like, (laughs) Jaime of course responsible. Like, yo, I'm brown too, but he's just like, no one's gonna see it behind that blue face, my guy. (laughs) (laughs) Static is hitting the real points. Um. The DEI work right here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of great little character moments, and naturally, Beast Boy is the leader of this team. Um, he does slot into the role. He's the one who pushed for this initiative, and as the leader, is, as per the leader, Beast Boy has more to offer. So he reveals that he also has a base that is funded by Gretchen Good and the music, the movie studio in Hollywood. Basically, this is Titan Tower. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not let's not be <laughs> coy with this. This is Titan's <laughs> Tower, essentially. And just an adaptation of it. And along with all the people moving in and having their individual rooms, Helga Chase, of course, uh, Jace, of course, volunteers to be the den mother because she just doesn't want to stay in hotels anymore. So everyone is settling in. Some of the team is deciding not to go. So at this point, Violet, Forager, um, and Tara are not going to be on this uh new public team. Uh, and it's good that they get to team together because right now Brooklyn is under attack, but not the Brooklyn you're thinking. Because I got really mad when I saw this, Brooklyn <laughs> was a small town, but uh, it's actually Brooklyn, Maine, so uh, don't get as mad as I did.
2: Uh- <laughs> Yo, I I watched it. And I rose up and I was like, yo, we will never let this happen. <laughs> An old ass ship on the reach trying to come and take us out? Nah, we got this handled. We don't need your crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so we enter into Brooklyn, Maine, um, where we do see there this um this girl walking down the street. She's obviously texting on her phone, gets pulled over by a sheriff who tells her that he's gonna offer her a ride home because it does seem to be some kind of like storm that's happening long story short which after her telling that she's going to meet up with a friend this is when they start getting attached by this reach ship that's flying through the sky and she immediately jumps onto um I don't know Instagram live Facebook live whatever social media platform they are using on this to share this out so this alert heads on back to the building of the our new kind of Titans tower where everybody's just hanging out waiting to see what happens and miss Martian alerts them that there is a live video that they should check out um and it's the same girl who is recording showing that the reship is here this causes Beast Boy to sound the alarm or the trouble alert which is a which is actually the um, the device that they use in the super friends <laughs> so this is a fun little nod to that and everybody suits up to head on over to Brooklyn um, because at that point they do see that Aquaman has jumped into the fight and it's trying to take down take down the reship, but it's just too many of them as more and more reships just start coming out of nowhere. And I don't know how fast the travel was because I was pretty sure they were on the west coast. I think
0: they did have access to a boom tube. Because I think okay. I did hear a boom tube
2: noise. Okay, um, good. Because I was like, This they that's that's like some technology we should start investing into some of these airlines. If I could get to I, the west coast of the east coast in under three minutes, no
0: Uber helicopter to get to JFK here, or you can just take the boom tube. <laughs> so i do i do like that uh one one really good camera choice they make is that they have most of the action being filmed in vertical video uh to reflect the social media nature of it and so we're, we're getting all these video and at one point aquaman gets hit and <laughs> the character's like oh uh aquaman's dead and we're like Come on, Aquaman can take a hit. Come on, (laughs) do my boy Aquaman like that. But right when Aquaman runs into trouble, we get some, the team, the new team shows up and we have Brion really using those earth and fire powers skillfully. We got some smooth wombo combos with Wonder Girl and Kid Flash. Um, We're really seeing a lot of great action. And uh, we do cut for a second for Artemis to express that she will miss having halo and tara around full time um and you know to pay off that emotional plot but when we get back to the action we find out one big discovery about
2: these reach ships once the team has been able to take down all the reach ships and we do have this is where we do have the appearance of our conundrum crew here um again just watch mystery incorporated because legit down to the character designs are very similar uh, they find out that the people who are operating the ships are actually members of the of the intergang. So we've met the intergang in the past where we have um, Bruno Mannheim and also Whisper Adair, who is there who I believe is her sister. Um, I was unsure if Whisper Adair mm-hmm. had a sister, but she is there along with another individual of the intergang. and it reveals that they were manipulating the ships this entire time. However, during the struggle, we do see, that something does go off in one of the ships, and this is what alerts the team that their mission isn't over quite yet. At the same time, we do hop on over real quick to Central City. I do want to point this out because it does become a little small plot, um, plot point throughout our episodes today. That Jay Garrick is watching this entire battle taking place while he sits at the while he sits in the hospital by his wife's bedside. And it does seem that Joan Garrick does not look well at this point. Now that everybody does seem to feel like everything is OK, they do notice that the signal is going off in one of the ships. And this is when they realize that there's a Reach warship that's finally coming out of the ocean and is heading towards the town. Um, so Beetle first senses this and tells everyone to take cover, co- Sorry, take cover as the warship starts firing on the town. And this is when um, they decide that they have to find a way to stop it. Of course, the mayor of Brooklyn here, he says that the only thing we should be relying on is the U.S. Air Force. As he points to the sky, as there's like these two drones that are heading their way to take down the reach ship, but they immediately get blasted out of the sky. So the team informs them that um, before they send, he recalls in for some more ships, They'll try to see if they could take the ship down from the inside, but they realize that they do experience a bit of a problem here, a kind of like a Kobayashi Maru, if you could say about what to do in this particular case.
0: Yeah, I also do want to mention quick too that uh, at one point they are arrested.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the
0: because they are not Justice League, because they are not covert ops, they are they all get arrested by the the Mayor Tompkins. Um, who hates vigilantes, and they go along with it because they're like, they're being recorded. They want to be seen as complying with local statutes um, and everything. But once this big ship pulls up and the Air Force is atomized, that's when they all break out of their cuffs using their individual powers in very cool and unique ways. And yes, now we end up back on the ship where they're kind of forced where Blue Beetle can deactivate the ship. But if he does, they'll flatten the town below them. And but if he just stands there, they'll blow up, get blown up by the Air Force. So Beast Boy makes a call to activate the engines so that the ship can crash safely, just right outside of town instead. And Blue Beetle can deactivate. And luckily, they aim for the they don't aim for the bushes. They aim for the lake this time and <laughs> <laughs> crash land safely. Um, so this is um I'll speak more on this later. It's a great moment for Beast Boy, especially. But we also get a moment uh, more intimate moment back. In uh, Artemis's house, where during a thunderstorm, uh, both Violet and Leanne are scared by the thunder. And while Artemis comforts Violet, Tara comforts Leanne. And you do see this. She's uncomfortable with it at first, but she's steady, probably because she's seen some crazy things in her lifetime, and she's able to comfort and provide that comfort. And it shows, again, that Tara is might be struggling um, with what's going on inside of her. But, now that um, the thunderstorm is passing, we go back, and we learn about the Good Samaritan law.
2: Yeah, so, uh, for people who have seen, I guess, like, the season finale of the series finale of Seinfeld, long story short, because of the fact that the team did something good for the town they just decided to let them go and that is what the sheriff of brooklyn (laughs) stated and he basically says it was a minor enough case with incidental harm um y'all good it was it was greater than the actual so that's because of it being good it's not the crime this is when our mystery gang cheers about what's happening uh mayor tompkins storms off and this is when the cameras now turn once again to the team um beast boy explains that their team is something new they have been dealing and listening to bureaucrats and people telling them that they can't operate in certain ways but they're realizing more and more that they're the way that they're telling them not to do things is just to help crimes continue on and this is when one of them says, oh, so this means that you're trying to create a revolution of some sort. And Beast Boy states that it might be. And now we get like a full, almost circle moment as Beast Boy kind of goes back into his original speech of why he wanted to put together a team like this. There he basically says we don't want to play by the insider's rules. And this is when he says the iconic line of we are all outsiders. This is our our state our thesis statement right here? Because in this moment, one of the girls she takes that dialogue and puts it as a hashtag of "We are all outsiders," and we can see that around different areas, especially in Star City, where people like Artemis, who are looking at Gabby's photo, who's one the the person who's been recording this entire time, states that this was a good thing to do. Maybe it will work, and she also sees that all around her. Everything has calmed down as Violet has gone to sleep. So Artemis tells Tara to take Leanne back to the bed. And this is where, once again, we see that Leanne, she is struggling, but she is still being um, true to her mission as she texts Slade back to let her know that the Outsiders, who are now being announced as the name of their team, is a part of the younger Young Justice team as well as the League. So she asks for further orders, and he tells her just – wait your time will come and
0: because no episode of Young Justice that starts happy can end happy it's just a <laughs> law we find out something interesting back in the Batcave we learn Aquaman through the fight mm-hmm. He sp- and he goes into further detail about how this entire excursion with the Reach was set up specifically to tee up the new team of outsiders to look good so now we're getting the sense that they went along with it so easily because they still had plans of how they would operate the team. And we also now know that um, Nightwing is also in on this deception um, and this maneuvering, but Artemis is not and Superboy is not. Uh, So now we have an establishment of where the team splits and might divide in the future.
2: Oh, and they also, it does come up to question, does Beast Boy now leading his own team Does that mean that he should have a seat here at the table of the, uh, I think they call it the anti-light or the darkness here. Um, And this is where McGann shares that she doesn't feel that he's ready yet. Um, So they, but they do feel confident in the approach that he's taking. So maybe we might see him join it later on. Um, Who knows? Uh, Just giving y'all a little early warning of what may come to light in our future episodes of Young Justice.
0: Hey, yes, speaking of early warning, our next episode starts with uh, Courtney Whitmore, star Girl, reporting on the Outsiders. Apparently, they've been trending for two weeks. This thing is is hotter than the time Cardi B threw that microphone. It's it's crazy. But in any case, we now that Outsiders are blowing up, the rest of the team that didn't join is doing a West Coast, East Coast commute through boom tubes to get to school Um, Because they have friends and established life here. And before they can go, Helga, Dr. Helga Jace pulls Violet aside and says, got some rough news for you, girl. You're dying. Um, You're dying. We're working on on how a solution. But you need to know that the Violet aura you're using is cutting into your lifespan and that you can tell people. But we might figure out a solution. So you might not want to worry them this early. Or you can choose not to. And with this whole scene, I go, it is 8 a.m. Why are you dropping (laughs) this before school? Jesus Christ. Oh
2: man. Like, oh man, that math test later. By the way, you might die just sharing that out.
0: Wait till three o'clock. Come on.
2: (laughs) At least after I'm done with my homework. Like after I've done decompress from the day, don't let me start my day thinking that I could die in like the drop of a hat now. Like third period comes and I may not make it to fourth. That was messed up. <laughs> Meanwhile, we hop on over to space as we are in the Watchtower as Satana is quite upset about the establishment of the Outsiders team. She feels like all that work that they've been doing to make sure that these young heroes never had... A target on their back it feels like it's been completely derailed because now they're too public and aquaman he shares that like listen they're doing things that the justice league can't be a part of because of the sanctions especially now that they seem to be heading over to um the outsiders are heading over to a new battle and satana says that she's gonna and she's gonna um involve herself because if dr Fate ain't doing it to help them out um that she's going to but she's going to make sure that she can stay under the radar because, of course, as a Justice League member, she can't be seen where she's going, which is Cuba.
0: Yes, and uh, unfortunately, I... they're not here for cigars or fate of the furious car races. They are here because something horrible is happening. There's really no way to des- other way to describe this. Yeah. But Clarion is using a magic spell that looks extremely painful to activate the metagenes of kidnapped children. After he does that, he brands them with a hot magical poker and then puts their essence and soul into this blob like abomination of flesh and gore. I oh, all my young justice bingo list. I had none of this because this (laughs) was absolutely wild to see. And furthermore, when I thought about the, the fact that anybody sent this team in to face Clarion, what the hell are y'all doing? Do y'all care about these kids? It's Clarion. <laughs> Dr. Fate's whole self has trouble with him. And you sending in this <laughs> this team? My, my disbelief at this setup aside, uh, we do bring it back to Earth a little bit when we find out why Bart and Jaime are absent from this mission.
2: Yes, it is in this point where Static, unfortunately, puts his foot in his mouth and complains that Bart and Jaime took the perfect time to take the day off. And this is when Beast Boy reminds him that they are attending a funeral. So this is clear for us that in our earlier episode, when we saw that Joan Garrick was on her bed, unfortunately was her deathbed. Um, So he apologizes, but they so they decide to change the subject to make sure to get back and focus in on what's happening. Beast Boy is taking well into his leadership role, as we mentioned, as he orders Geoforce to hop on down to distract the uh, Cuban military police from getting in just to make sure that everyone could be as safe as possible because we they don't know what to expect when they enter. Um, they do know something might be amiss because they did send down a mini Beetle not Blue Beetle, not a small version of him, but rather a similar camera that Nightwing has been using this season in our earlier episodes to give them a 3D view of what's going on. Unfortunately, as soon as they sent the camera down and got the 3D rendering up, it was immediately destroyed when they saw a monstrous creature just eat it. Uh, this is when they decide to just got to jump in full force because they don't know what to expect. So we have uh, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, and Static enter the room as they see the creature come out because Clarion calls it forward and they realize that the this creature is probably these teenagers who have been combined into this, uh, thinking about that, Rick and Morty, but I know it has a better significance. Cronenberg. Than Cronenberg, Cronenberg monster. Um. And this is when the team just immediately jumps into action because they know they have to solve this in any way, shape, or form. Beast boys trying to lure away Teakle. Uh, We have Static, who is fighting against Clarion in some way. We got Wonder Girl, who is trying to use her brute strength to just hold the monster at bay. It's a lot. Uh, and of course, Geoforce is handling everything, creating a lava barrier. And one of my favorite things, sends lava at a gun that one of the military police officers tried to use to shoot him again why was this the first team that we sent in I do not know there G- is ah. so much that could have been changed about this plan
0: yeah I know they they wanted to avoid an international incident but I would have sent in the team for this right. one um, yeah and uh, I also have to mention when I saw Static go for Clarion I thought this was going to be his last episode <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I was like oh lord I love static shot, guys. I love static. You know this. We did the whole the whole seasons, but he he against Clarion. No, no way, my boy. Yeah, That's nah. Superman versus an old lady. Come on. Um, <laughs> so in the middle of this fight, Beast Boy gets blasted to smithereens and Wonder Girl is added to the monster. So now things are looking pretty bleak. But just in time, Zatanna, who said, I don't care about the rules. Is Clarion, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, she shows up and she is able to bail things out. She's able to do a spell to kind of even the odds. Um, and it is also thankfully revealed that Beast Boy turned into a Green Hornet, which I feel like was a dig at Green Hornet. Secretly. It was a dig, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with the combination of Zatanna's efforts uh, spell from fate, she is able to transport Clarion into a into the. I don't want to say House of Mystery, <laughs> the um, Tower of Fate, the Tower of Fate. He has a constantine. No, <laughs> he's able to transport Clarion into the Tower of Fate. And that leaves the outsiders to help the other people. And I do love right at the start of the sequence because one of the many teens is now has gills. Beast Boy gently yeets her into the ocean so she (laughs) can breathe.
2: Yo, this girl got air time. I don't care what anybody (laughs) says. He should not have done what he did. She's just already struggling. Oh man, um yeah, it's a fun fact for y'all. If you're trying to save anybody near water, never throw them in. Just continue to carry them, please. Yeah. Also didn't appreciate that once she was in the water and was able to breathe, he had called the bio ship and basically smacked her on the butt to get her to move into the bio ship as a dolphin. And I was just like, Sir, uh, yeah, yeah you're kind of moving in a different direction than we thought as a leader, man. Um, now that they've saved everyone uh it does seem like it's time to get their accolades they are thinking of course we're going to be praised we just saved a bunch of kids that's not the case because once again um being the fact that they are in a place where they shouldn't be it does start to create a bit of an international incident uh our person ramon barcuda who is the leader of the uh military police force here. He is quite upset and, in fact, wants to find a way to take them down, arrest them once again. But he gets stopped a little bit when one kid steps forward and shares that he was actually saved by the team here, by the outsiders. And it happens to be the son of one of the police officers who was there. And immediately as we look around, we see that all the police officers, except for Ramon, are siding with the outsiders here. And they're, you know, making sure they're thanking them for their work. They're recording them to make sure that their their publicity is known for the work they've done and everything. And as Ramon is still quite upset, is calling for reinforcements to come in to arrest the team. This is when they share with them. Y'all need to go right now because it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yes. And
0: um, elsewhere, (laughs) we get a scene that we. We're going to unpack fully. Mm-hmm. Um, So. Violet is obviously taking the news of her impending death pretty hard. This is compounded with the other things she's been dealing with, hiding, hiding the secret about Brian and Tara's parents and and everything. So she is out after school. She ends up hanging out with Harper Rowe. They're drinking a bottle of whiskey um, on the beach. They're also shooting a gun at some empty bottles. And to, to even up the ante, Harper kisses Halo. And when Halo goes, We both have boyfriends. What well, no, when Halo goes, I have a boyfriend. Harper goes, so do I. And then the police show and up and arrest them. This scene is too many things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna straight out call out this scene as way too many. I think you have a lot of elements here. I think it is natural for Violet Halo to act out in some way after getting all this news. But I think throwing every teen stereotype here was a bit much. I could see her drinking independently as she's still getting used to the teenage experience. I could see her kissing Harper because that's been built up and there's a moment of confusion. But I do not think a gun shooting a gun for fun is in her character, particularly because she has the ability to do that with lasers. She can do that. All, she does that all the time. I, mm-hmm. I feel like shooting a gun would have no appeal to her and that. So I think there was way I just think there was way too much put into the scene they, they chose the all of uh, everything above option. <laughs> Um, when they made this I, I i don't know i don't know if it hit you effectively yeah, the same way no but...
2: <laughs> I, I did agree i think it was um too much there was a lot of logical places this could have gone especially like you said with the drinking with the kiss um the gun i can see that probably tying into comic book wise for harper because i think it is a weapon she uses um but i think the other thing that took me out of the scene of like you said it like is against Violet Harper's character here is the fact that when the police officer shows up, officer, um, officer Lee shows up, Harper refuses almost to put down the gun. And it's weird to see that this timid individual who in the previous episode was like scared of thunder is willing to hold out this gun and refuse to listen to authority I would have expected her to kind of, like, drop it as soon as, like, you know, Harper might have passed it to her or when she saw the police officer show up. And not saying that it's impossible for that line of storytelling to happen. It just felt too sudden that it felt like she's going through all this and immediately picks up a gun and starts shooting it again when she has all this power to actually shoot a laser herself. What I think that we should have done was actually remove the gun entirely, um, have it be maybe that Harper is, sorry, Violet is showing that she can, showing Harper her abilities. And that's when the officer shows up confused because she hears something that sounds like a gunshot, but it's confused and she's telling them to drop the gun. And this is when Violet starts walking towards her a little bit aggressively until she finally decides to back down. I think the whole gun scenario was just too much to add in we again it's this was a this wasn't a psych question of like is it a is it b is it a or b or is it all no this was just too much happening all at once just focus on the liquor focus on the kiss because Mm -hmm. those two things played out later on in the story
0: yeah and the last thing i have to say about this too there is a moment where it looks like and this is, I, I think, I don't know if this is an animation thing, but it does look like Halo is even considering shooting the officer with yes. the gun. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this this season came out in two thousand nineteen. If I'm uh, not,
2: yeah, this episode came out and actually on Jul- in July of two thousand nineteen. So at the time, it's like I don't know, like a little over four years old now.
0: Yeah, so it is at a time when we are aware of what happens often too too often mm-hmm. when people of color in this country hold a weapon, even if it's not even a weapon. So to me to incorporate the scene and not follow up, not mm-hmm. unpack what this really is, not make it a bigger deal to just have a person of color holding a gun in front of an officer. Uh, I I don't I just think if even if they were going for that it just doesn't it doesn't work it just straight up doesn't work if you're trying to go for some commentary here because of the lack of follow up because of the situation you're putting it in and the frame it just doesn't come across for me so I I I, I really think this scene and again not like the show is marketed for kids but if a kid does stumble across the scene I think it's also very irresponsible. To show them mm. the sequence of events mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons i don't like that scene i just needed to, <laughs> needed i didn't want to let them get away with that one that one i think was very <laughs> just not not a great scene just not a great scene
2: also i do want to point out that even though um like just looking at bethany i'm un, i'm unsure about um like what is her race in the show but I think, regardless of the individual's race, the dynamic we're really talking about is the scenario that we again see quite often of police officer versus individual of color, um, and this can happen whether it, in in whether what what whatever race the police officer may be. So I think seeing that play out again, it was just too weird of a scenario. We don't live in a world where it's just like you're clearly trying to tell that story here, but it didn't land for us because again there was just too much that we were already dealing with and again this is probably like five like probably like a 45 second sequence if anything mm-hmm. of just every single emotional roller coaster you could ever ride on in your entire life yeah yeah. Um, but other things do happen
0: this episode believe it or not uh, so yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: moving on from here
0: um, after McGann picks up a uh, Violet from the police station later, Violet uh, doesn't share what's going on. She remains silent on it. Um, we get the other meditines that were captured going back to the youth center and um, Aquaman just says, hey, she's got gills. I'll take her Whatever her name is. We're fine. Um, and we also see uh, Mr. Dorado himself uh, volunteering to join the Outsiders. Now he wants to inspire Wendy. Uh, As more of a couns more than a counselor, he wants to get out there and really show what he's capable of. And in this,
2: oh yeah, were you gonna say? Uh
0: (laughs) He says, yeah. He says most of the team is basically nepo babies, legacies, (laughs) and turns to static and says, "They don't know you." So I'm like, "Yo, you don't have to. You have to hit him like that." (laughs) Um, but (laughs) yeah, this marks a new point where the team is. The outsiders are expanding and Wendy It ends on an optimistic note of Wendy for Wendy of her being happy to see this and maybe this inspiring her for the future.
2: Yeah. And now that, um Eduardo is trying to get this kick in the pants about, you know, what he should be doing as more than just a counselor. We see another kick happen as we head on over to training sessions between Artemis and Tara, who are just doing some general sparring. And we see that Artemis is clearly winning this battle and Tara is quite upset about it. Um, And we start seeing that she starts having flashbacks of her time training with Deathstroke where he was pulling off a similar move and the times that she's actually accomplished it. And the more that she um, thinks back on it, the more you can see her getting upset. So when Artemis calls her back out from it, Uh, This is where she offers her a hand to stand back up, explains that, you know, like where, what part of her defense was wrong in the maneuver that she had pulled. And Tara's quite upset. She's like, I know what I did wrong. And, but she's realizing that she's kind of speaking out of turn to Artemis. So she tells her, she apologizes for it. But then Artemis breaks it down for her and realizes that, like, we can tell because of the fact that you were already in these like fight club battles with people like Holocaust. And when we first found you, you were, we've rescued you from the situation. We know that you experienced some kind of training, but all this time, all that training you received was probably not, you know, conducive to just like a, a caring world. It was always about like, if you fail to do it right, you just failed entirely. And that can mean that you're dead right here. I'm just trying to teach you that you don't have to learn like that. There are better ways to be able to learn how to fight that are just more welcoming, more greeting. And we actually foster the idea of like, you will make mistakes, but they're that's just what they are. They're mistakes of the past. What you do with your future is how you learn from that. And she even says that, like, listen, I same thing happened to me. I was trained by, you know, the OG sportsmaster. He was borderline abusive. And that's not how I like to do it here. So I want to make sure that the way I train you is the way that I like to be trained, because I know that is the most helpful for me mentally. And I could tell it'd be better for you, too.
0: Yes. And I do like that they brought it back. They ran it back to my boy sportsmaster. I I love a mention, even in a negative sense. Uh, But yeah it's really solidifying this this bond because they're both in the same boat of, they're trained to be something dark, but they, they try to embrace the light. Um, And as this relationship is solidified, we go ahead to our, the last of the pack here, Elder Wisdom, where we know right away Lex is meeting with an, a dictator in Africa um, and they're here for a climate change contest. A contest. <laughs> <laughs> America's <The
1: bus>. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, we're keeping that, um, oh, yeah, we're keeping that. <laughs> Here's the clip right there um, So they're there for a climate change summit And even though Wonder Woman is still in space She's in contact with Troya She must have that premium Verizon plan Hashtag Tax. not sponsored um, <laughs> And while talking to Troya Troya is suddenly knocked out So is Garth and now it's clear that the summit is under attack, but luckily
2: there's a lot of people there to help. We have what looks like the outsiders as well as some individuals on the team who are coming to the defense of everyone there. Uh, they are being attacked by the Bwanden. Sorry if I mispronounced that. I'm also not sure if that's a real place. It is. Uh, not. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> the Bwanden Independence Front or the Biff, as it will later <laughs> continue to be called, as Kid Flash even states, like, Oh wow, Biff, it sounds like you're making your own Automotia as I hit you. Um, so the team is able to take down, sorry, the outsiders are able to take down quite easily these Biff agents. Um, but then there is a point in which Kid Flash, during the fight, he does get hit by something pretty hard. Uh, we're unsure of what it was, who it was, but it's enough that Eldorado has to teleport to him to try to take care of him. Of course, this leads into the rest of the team trying to end this fight pretty quickly. They start taking their own L's, and we see now that finally somebody has intervened, a speedster. As we see that the Flash himself, Barry Allen, has appeared to help take down the rest of the Biff agents. And in the shocking twist, we find out the reason why he's there is because Lex Luthor was the one that called him over.
0: Yes, Lex Luthor uses this to make a point about, you know, using the process of con- asking the dictator, hey, can I call my Justice League friends? And then the J- Justice League runs over and takes care of the issue. So he's saying Outsiders don't work, but my system does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Meanwhile, um, we're also getting the fight over Troya because they're trying to move into Troya, and Tara, McGann, and Violet go in. Megan gets uh, focused on a mental battle with a, another telepath, but ta- so Tara and Violet are have to take care of business. And Tara got that pocket sand. Yo, she's using it, <laughs> <and giving> it <laughs> that <laughs> pocket sand to the. To telekinesis and rock attacks. Um, unfortunately, that isn't enough. And in the process of this battle, Violet rushes in and gets her neck slashed. Um, in a in a scene that sounds as gruesome as it sounds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And unfortunately, though she's badly hurt, Troya wakes up just in time. And the swordsman, she knows that it's this ain't gonna go well. So <laughs> the swordsman dips. Um And McGann is able to break the hold over the telepathic opponent and also remove a control chip. So now they have another person to take care of. Um, Violet is recovering. Um, And now we talk to the brainwashed telepath named Leah, and she reveals it was all a setup.
2: So again, Flash is downstairs outside. He is able to save everyone and this is when again lex is going through his entire speech of why his way works and the outsiders don't beast boy gets quite upset because he realizes a little bit that damn this was all put together by lex to put the outsiders in a bad light because now they're not able to speak about anything that happened because of course the news crew and the camera people are just focusing on lex on what he's saying so um, even Flash gets thanked for his heroics, even though Flash is like, yeah, I'm not on your side, but okay. So Beast Boy orders the Outsiders to head on back to the bioship. And as they're talking, this is when they find out that some of the people who were there were Lady Shiva and Cassandra Savage. Um, so again, Luthor shares that, you know, his plan failed uh, because troya and garf survive um they would have been bonuses but it was really (laughs) ultimately just to defame the outsiders um which is quite upsetting to cassandra and shiva because again they were like yo your plan led to us losing members of our team with Laya or leah um and this is when leah is brought over to the metahuman youth center in taos so that, um, you know, she could get checked out, checked in to get some help that she needs. But at the same time, we see that Halo is checking her phone and we see that she has received several unanswered messages from Brion. So um, at this point, it's quite unsure what's going on as to why she's not responding to his messages, which has been going on apparently for the last couple of episodes, too.
0: Yes. I also want to point out a Lex Luthor line that I, I just love. Mm -hmm. Um, In the previous scene where um, they're worried that they might get exposed and Lex goes, my dear, knowing and proving are two different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great line from Lex. And going back to Halo, seeing that she's distracted and everything, McGann says, Halo, you are benched until you at least talk to me, talk to somebody, but there is no way that you are going back out there in your current state so as we're catching up with the team i like the little visual thing of beast boy and tara were on the same team Mm -hmm. um the hockey team although they're not doing the whole romantic subplot you know just little hints of their closeness uh in the past and i do also like a line where uh they casually are like oh yeah vic lives here too and someone's like i forgot about vic but i said so did the show yes Uh, so (laughs) So now, in this uh, low time, Brian decides to confront Violet, and Violet does dodge him again, yet again, and go to her room. And while Helga's like, "Yo, try to move on. This is your first relationship. Don't worry." The other members of the team are surprised by the arrival of a few adults who have some disappointing news for them.
2: Yes, because they saw the battle live on television as we see that Eduardo Dorado Sr., Jay Garrick, and Helena Stansmark all appear. So as we know, these are the uh, parents and guardians of our Kid Flash, our uh, Eldorado, and uh, Wonder Girl. So they they appeared because they saw what happened to Kid Flash, who as a running joke throughout more or less half this episode, every (laughs) single time they bring up that Kid Flash got hurt, He'll keep saying, it, but I'm fine already. <laughs> um, this they're quite upset over the answers because again, this brings back the conversation to y'all are sidekicks or proteges, rather, as they say at one point during the episode. Um, y'all were never supposed to have the targets on your backs. Now every single one of these heroes, mains, villains are coming after y'all, and we don't like it. We want to pull you off of the team because we don't like the fact that there's a possibility that you can go out for a mission and then never come back. And in fact, y'all and Jay brings up a really good point where I thought about this too, is it's like, how many of y'all have actually gone down to the grotto? And as a reminder, the grotto was first kind of introduced in season two where it is basically the graveyard almost, but not actual, just more of a, a hall of, past heroes, where we see mm-hmm. that individuals like Jason Todd, Ted Cord, um, everyone who's passed away so far within this universe, they, are, they have holographic statues dedicated to them. And it's just so, as Jaime said in that episode in season two, so that the people out there don't see how mortal they actually are. Um, and this is where our elder wisdom comes in, because it's like, hey, y'all clearly aren't caring about the fact that we want y'all to be safe as well so as they're having this conversation of course a trouble alert comes up because uh it seems as if someone has been taken away or kidnapped beast boy answers the call and he tells them that all right we're gonna get the team set back up obviously though the parents are holding back their kids and beast boy says the wildest statement that i've ever heard (laughs) on this show He states that he's an emancipated minor Mm -hmm. and that Jaime and Static are both 18. I'm okay with the emancipated minor part, but I know that every single black parent out there (laughs) is like, you could be 18, but you ain't grown. Bring your ass back here, boy. Well, to be fair, they didn't show up. Um... That's true.
0: (laughs) If they were there, I, I'm sure that scene would have gone a lot differently.
2: Um, yes. but... <laughs> the first, the first ass woman in Young Justice history that wasn't on the villain. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, as they go, uh, Brion again, he's not taking Violet's uh, answer at face value. So he barges into her room and says, what is going on for real? Tell me, level with me. And Violet reveals the kiss. Hey, she reveals that she kissed Harper and he instantly forgives her. He said, that's not a problem for me. Um, You know, we can we move on? But this kind of inspires her to reveal more. So she pulls in Tara as well and decides to tell them everything. Meanwhile, um, we get to the the town of of Ivo's monkeys, and this is where the, the show does something really interesting after they find out that um, the daughter of this Irishman has been abducted. They go to the warehouse where they suspect she might have been taken. And as they are fighting, we hear the arguments that each individual team member that was held back uh, was making to their their counterparts. And particularly the one that is really poignant is that when Kid Flash is talking to Jay, he realizes He says, this isn't about me. This is about losing Joe. And you're not. And I know you've lost people in the past, but I promise me, promise you, you're not going to lose me. This is something I have to do. So we see the kids fighting elsewhere while we're hearing these these speeches. And it really is an effective combination of uh, really great dialogue and visuals.
2: Yeah, it is. I, I love that part of the scene, especially because um. It is really compelling arguments from both sides. Again, they are parents who are concerned about their kids. Um, And I love the fact that it's just like, you know, it's a question that never came up in the past because it was just like, if you're a hero, you're a hero. But for like individuals like Jaime, who his parents were asked if it was okay for the league to or the team to go up to him and ask if he wants to be a hero because he's already doing it and get like training alongside them. The parents still have the ability to take that permission back. Um, so I'm kind of glad to see that this relationship isn't that like, as soon as you become a hero, that's it. Like, you, especially if you're an underage hero, by which we mean anyone younger than 18, um, as set up by, I believe, our Justice League rules back in that conversation that they had. But here we have that as just like, okay, cool. This is a true conversation happening between parents, young heroes, and the Justice League. Mm. Um, And speaking about the Justice League, they are still not present as Beast Boy, Blue Beetle, and Static are fighting hard against the things that they found in this factory um, because they see that there's Lex Luthor's spider bots. Um, We see that the monkeys are there. And there's also the little girl who's being held captive by um, Professor Ivo. So this turns into again a drastic scene that doesn't get quite animated, but rather more illustrated as there's the voiceover of once again Def's um Kid Flash and them talking about what's it mean to be a hero and the joy that comes from saving an individual and seeing that played out through these like three or four panel shots of the little girl being saved by the outsiders team currently here, who have also she also takes a pipe and breaks it into Professor Ivo's face. Thankfully, he is a robot, so uh, <laughs> nobody was actually killed in the making of this episode.
0: No one ca- caught a charge today. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> and we see the joyful reunion of this little girl with her father back at the uh, the matchbook store that was set up.
0: Yes, and um as they are going away from a exploding factory, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut to Lex on screen, who is uh, on TV and again, trying to slander the outsiders. He's saying, look, look at this explosion they caused. Look at this property damage. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have gone that way if I was there. And as Lex is uh, even going further to try to get a hero registry started, G Gordon, re- says yo old news Lex because he goes on social media because one of Lex's strongest points was that oh I have inside Intel that the parents are shutting this down and G Gordon is like no they're not and you should see the outsiders that were talking to their parents taking pictures with their parents now fully supporting Jay Garrett got those fast Twitter fingers he was responding directly to Lex though I thought you should have ran into the studio so that would have been a bigger
2: fight. <laughs> Ran in, slap him on the face, and then sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So now Lex looks terrible. And in a really interesting scene, I think underrated scene here. Um, G Gordon Godfrey and Lex are talking backstage, and Godfrey is actually mentoring Lex and saying, like, you can't just hit this angle with against outsiders, you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. But you what you really need to do is embrace them and then co-opt them. Right. So now you're seeing some. Some really shady tactics, um, uh, that they're impl- employing. And as we leave from this seat, <laughs> we go to a seat in the back cave
2: that uh, you just got to take it from here. I can't even say this with a straight face. <laughs> of course, the anti light here are quite in love with what's happening here wonder woman even says hologram one of them even saying that she's so impressed by it that we should try to see if we get a framed picture of lex Luthor getting shut down on live television like this for superman um this is again where we find out through batman's explanation that you know they have been behind the plot all <laughs> along just like in our earlier episode he explains that oracle found out about Lex's factory in ireland This led to them devising the plan because that way they could send the outsiders into the factory by posting an image of a monkey from Professor Ivo's things. And then we get the shocking reveal that the father and the daughter were actually Batman Bruce Wayne's alter ego (laughs) matches Malone and McGann posing as the daughter. And the reason why they were able to assemble the monkeys is because Robin took the time to reassemble, reprogram, and put them in Professor Ivo's last known base. This was all so that, once again, they could set up Luthor, who now he's saying, Batman states, he, Luthor knows he was set up. But knowing and proving are two different things. Which is um, a... <laughs> sorry i just
0: gotta jump in it's a funny it's a great callback it's batman great callback. was not there
2: right for that conversation is <laughs> our like, batman and lex thinking the same way <laughs> have you seen the two of them in the same room <laughs> oh man it's it's wild and now because the outsider support is greater than ever they are apparently bigger than the justice league now at this point which is something that this anti-light has been very much looking forward to. So now that they've heard all of this, Wonder Woman clearly was not a part of the plan. And she's very upset about it because she doesn't, she's realizing now that the more that they are playing around with these kids in this way, the more they're actually putting them out in danger. So she asked them truly like what side are you really on?" because at this point, you're gone beyond lying to your friends and your allies. You're literally staging false events and fake news. That is an actual line Mm. from the show uh, just to make your opponents look bad. And she questions, how much more do we have to go before we are crossing a very dangerous line? And that's where we never get an answer to.
0: (laughs) Batman's like, well,
2: you got me there. Right. Uh (laughs)
0: Uh but um, we also get the fallout uh we see Brione and Tara walking out from um Brion and Tara walking out from Violet's room, um obviously distressed over the revelations they've heard, and now we wonder we're left wondering how this might affect the team in the future.
2: So now that we're left with um Violet by her lonesome writing a note, we have to wonder what she's writing on there. I'm assuming that is telling you that we'll be back, but once we are back, check out this podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us.
0: Way to pull a Batman. Deceive. (laughs) Deceive the audience.
2: (laughs) Knowing they're proving the two different things.
0: (laughs) Hello
1: there. I'm Colleen.
0: I'm Anders. from the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast
2: is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right. Now that we've gone through our last three episodes, the 17 through 19 of this new influence that we have here, uh which episode are you giving the most the most welmed episode award to?
0: Um yeah, I mean as you could tell, early warnings out of commission for that Halo scene alone <laughs> and what yes. they do to her. Um, Elder Wisdom was mm. extremely close. But the whole Batman pretending to be Matches Malone, pretending <laughs> to be an Irishman while Meghan morphed into the, his daughter. He got the accent. He <laughs> was perfect. I just, it's just too silly. It's just way too silly. Why couldn't he just pay a guy, you know? Mm. Um it was just way too silly for me. Uh, I could not take that ending seriously. But everything else about the episode hit. But I think first impression is the most whelmed. I think it has a legitimately fantastic speech about Beast Boy that I want to revisit just even having just watched it again. I, I hate to see it sound like an old man yelling at a crowd cloud, but this feels like traditional Young Justice. The bunch of kids who are trying to do the right thing and they're making mistakes along the way, but they are getting things done. And even though it was a setup, credit is to credit where credit is due. Beast Boy came up with a solution that did not result in any casualties whatsoever. So it mm. also shows his value as a leader and why he's in this position as a team. He's not been given this position. He's not taken it. He has earned it. And he's he's fitting. It's fitting him well. Um, Though I do want to mention from. Elder Wisdom, a really nice aspect that I liked with this parental debate is that if you look at the original t- team up, you know, Robin's an orphan. McGann's parents mm-hmm. are another planet. Artemis's parents, you know, things are not so good there. So you have Superboy doesn't have him. Um, <laughs> that, well, both his dads are more absent <laughs> when we're being honest,
2: but yeah, he's actually fighting against his dad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you had a team that mostly was comprised of people who didn't have to answer their parents or their mentors. So in contrast, you have teams. It's a realistic look of, like, with people with stable families and everything, what does that look like? How can they be heroes? It's a really good question that uh, they pose. Um, But how about you? What is your most whelmed?
2: Ah, man. I'm, like, teetering on the fence a lot here because I also agree, like... uh elder wisdom and uh first impressions very great episodes again early warnings at that whole scene with viper i viper <laughs> violet <laughs> harper it's combined her full name um, yeah i agree it's too it's too jarring of a scene to to make it even a qualifier for this um, but I am leaning towards elder wisdom because it's the thing that I like about Young Justice, where we have this kind of ethical debate pop up mid-show. Um, especially with like here it is that we're having an older generation talk with the younger generation of like, what does it mean to be a hero? But not in the sense of just like you know you're you're a good Samaritan, you're doing one deed, or you're operating behind the scenes. It's like what does it mean to? actually have the target on your back and I think also the the way that it played out in one um with like all that spin campaign going on and how that was basically the entire episode of like how it works out to be a spin campaign and little by little I love that so much but I can see what you mean about first impressions being more of the young justice episode. I just felt like for El- elder wisdom, I just really enjoyed that episode more because I never knew where things were going to land. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what I always look forward to like keeping me entertained in the show a lot. And uh, Magic is Malone is your favorite DC character.
0: So of course, also like I'm why. honestly
2: trying to figure out where does he get this like white chicks mask from all the time. <laughs> like, how long is he taking makeup and hairdressing? Like, honestly. <laughs>
0: It's also the fact that he said I went undercover as Matches Malone. You're already undercover as an Irish man. Why do you need to go undercover, <laughs> undercover? Like, <laughs> it's just so goofy to me.
2: Also, I need to know like what's the history <laughs> of like the matches name? Because like he goes by Matthew Malone. I think is like the name in the show that's credited as. Where did matches come from, man?
0: <laughs> I think he just was working through some things. honestly. Yeah, somebody
2: somebody, called Dr. Strange, uh, Dr. Hugo Strange, and check in on like Batman's psyche at this point. Please. Guys, I took
0: like an improv class next week. I got a crazy idea.
2: Go with me on this.
0: <laughs>
2: this whole plan was just thought of because Batman wanted to work on his improv. That was it.
0: Confirmed, I think.
2: Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, for me, it's Elder Wisdom because, again, you never know. Where you're gonna land on in, on this within this Young Justice episode? Also, I think it was a great time to finally share that Violet was responsible for the um the deaths of Brion and Tara's parents because it does seem, especially from Tara's side, that even though she was getting to the point, especially in that episode where she was, or probably, sorry, the previous episode where she was getting to the point where it's just like, oh, I might be joining the side of the heroes a little bit. It's like now we're gonna swing it back over because she can see a little bit how dysfunctional it looks like from a villain standpoint because she's like clearly they don't know what to do and no one agrees with them. Let's see how that plays out with her relationship with um with Slade um during this whole Judas contract revival. All right, uh, so that's our most whelmed episode. So now it's time to jump into that comic book knowledge and. To be honest, I didn't find anything that we could really talk about in this one because there was more, I feel like more social commentary, probably on social media, about social media, but also about like the state of things at the time that we were living in during 2019, where it's just like, how do we fight for uh, what is truly right, with making sure that people are being represented and everything like that, who steps up in what way. Um, but I did want to highlight the fact that because this episode focused so heavily on a new team, especially a division and change within the team, did want to bring up this fun fact for y'all or rather this comic book knowledge for y'all. So uh, DC has so many teams throughout this universe. We got Justice League, Legion of Doom, Titans or Teen Titans, whatever you may call them now. Suicide Squad, Young Justice, uh, Young Justice of course, or my personal favorite now, which I just found out about the religion of crime <laughs> true i imagine you have to wear true religion jeans
0: i think it's <laughs> it's it's part of the membership you must oh, bring your yeah. own <laughs> i think
2: they they must they must they also have to read and i i also looked into this uh they also have an evil bible that they read from for those who are asking
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i there are so many great jokes i can't think of one but i <laughs> insert your own what would be yes. the evil bible <laughs> so comment below
2: yes <laughs> but yeah the, the the list team goes on and on um so honestly to go through every time that there's been an internal spat or a moment of growth within a team that led to maybe a spinoff or another team becoming the premier team we don't have enough time to go through that <laughs> list. Uh, there's like Titans East, Titans West, Justice League Dark, just to name a few of the spin-off teams. Um, but most importantly, because of the fact that it does, this episode in particular did talk about a team that is stepping up in particular, becoming that new face, and especially took over the premier team over the Justice League, uh, I invite you all to check out Dawn of DC Titans. Uh, This is the fourth volume under the Titans title. It just came out in May of 2023, so it's really new. And there's nothing I can tell you about this because honestly, it's only been two issues so far that have actually dropped (laughs) from this comic. Um, But basically, the premise of it is that, like, the Titans are now set up as the top team in the DC universe because following the death and, spoiler, resurrection of the Justice League during the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, the Justice League decided to take some time away from them from the spotlight and decided to bring forward the Titans as the new leaders of the superhero antics of the DC universe. So, again, this is such, this is still such a brand new concept, two issues deep. Um, but I am actually glad to see that a lot of these individuals who were sidekicks adopting the name now of protégés have become now the actual big leaguers in the in this world and they are still only using the titans t- title not justice league so that's even a great thing um the other thing to check out too because of the fact that this is a dawn of dc production there's a possibility that this may play out in saffron gun era of the dc universe that's being created since you know there's that plan of the uh bridging the comics with the movies and the television and of course our personal favorite of the animation um so titans dawn of dc issues one and two uh this is we're not sponsored but if you have dc universe infinite you can read both or also more importantly just go check it out at your local comic book shop pretty sure are going to still be some issues available so you can see how it all plays out and how they're building up this team
0: and then read matches malone number one
2: um it's matches malone number one man on fire forever burning (laughs) Uh, but yeah, with that, we're gonna wrap up our episode here. Um, mainly because it's like super hot in this. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a heat wave, guys. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but be sure to check us out on our social media accounts. Of course, you can always find us on our main ones of X, Instagram, Facebook, wherever uh Beast Boy might be using as well. You also check us out on our Patreon for more content. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. And remember, if you use the hashtag, we are all outsiders, make sure to also add the hashtag uh, YADCAP. That will really help us out in getting our social growth. <laughs> yes.
0: And if you want to pull a prank on your friends, go to an improv class, look for Bruce Wayne and say, hey, are you Matches Malone? And do you want to wear a white chick's mask? <laughs> and it might work out for you. Those ex- Write that down. Don't yes. forget Every step must be done.
2: Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.